Welcome to Side Conversations of Marketing, Management, and Money. Yes, our podcast is all things small business, but in these side conversations, we deviate a little bit and we might go into politics, religion, social, economics, or health, whatever we feel like talking about. So if you're interested in learning a little bit of our take on other issues, welcome to Side Conversations. All right, so... We're going to try this as a sideline. I have no idea where it's going to go. <laughs> ask, ask your question, Ethan. Um, so the question was, because <laughs> um, I love history. I love the old the old war swords, things like that. You, you bring up the Roman Empire in like every other episode. We're yeah. sitting here talking about like inventory management. You're like, the Romans had inventory. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to throw it in constantly? <laughs> uh, so the the question is <laughs> You don't even deny it. <laughs> they did have inventory. Just bust the a, question. They had an awesome navy too. Um so the question is, uh how long do you think because uh, in those battles it was all physical, swords clanging, you know, I'm packing a big spear, you know what I mean? There there were some bows that did some damage, but for the most part it was hand to hand combat, right? How long could someone fight before you're exhausted? Think about it. I mean, you're clashing. I'm fighting. I'm swinging a sword. I get exhausted. Um, so I, I actually have a very scientific answer for you. You know, can I, can I, can I literally fight hand to hand combat for an hour, back and forth, back and forth, or is it kind of one of those? All right, we clash for 15 minutes. Everyone takes a break. We clash for another 15 minutes. We take a break. You know what I mean? Well, the first time that I learned that there were there are rules in warfare blew my mind. I'm like, what do you mean there are rules? Like people pausing to go get their dead and wounded, and you know, uh, so yeah, that's true. So, uh, okay, now I'm going to ask this question because I don't want to forget it, but then I'm going to go back and answer your question. I also want to know if PTSD is more severe when you're face-to-face because for centuries, the way that people fought was face-to-face. You had to be close enough. I mean, even so, you you had like archers and catapults and trebuchets and things like that, but those were really kind of a, a like like they, they would start the battle, but it ended up in, you know, hand-to-hand. Even when you look at early musketry, yeah, you know, they would fire off one shot and then they'd use the bayonet. And that was in place until basically World War One was the first time that the majority Whoa. of the battle was done with a faceless opponent. And so I'm, I'm curious about the PTSD. But let me answer your question, then we'll... I, I, I want to I do the PTSD right. comment. So... I used to train for the 800 meter, and uh, I ran it all through uh, high school and even a little bit in college. And so 800 meters is a fascinating race because it is the race that transitions from your anaerobic threshold to your aerobic threshold. So anything below 800 meters, like a 400 meter dash and and shorter, you do it all on a ramp anaerobic threshold so it's it's your anaerobic system that is allowing you to do those races um and and so when you do the 800 you cannot run you know it's basically a half a mile you cannot run 800 meters 
before having to have your aerobic threshold kick in and and take over at some point. You can't run the whole thing anaerobically. And so, uh, you know, really fast 800-meter uh, runners are sub two minutes. Okay. So if you start thinking about, uh, and then here's the other thing I'm, that I'm going to throw in there. How long do people do wrestling meets for? Well, that's my point. I'm thinking of wrestling because it's the... It's, it, it's an anaerobic threshold, yeah. but at what point do you have to move to the aerobic? So if I'm going a, out there... A two-minute wrestling match, the guys are exhausted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You know. there, and there, there is literally no break in between. You mm-hmm. know? Even uh, American football, uh, you know, they'll go, but, but in between plays and stuff, you, got, you have a minute or two to catch your breath, right? Mm-hmm. So... And they can go for a solid two, three hours that way, you know. If they're trained for it. Yeah. So this is another so maybe, interesting thing. Maybe that's helping to answer my question, that if I look at some of the American sports, like American football, um, which is highly physical, um, as, long as, they're, as long as there's sh- uh, short sections to catch your breath, which is kind of, you know, in weightlifting, you do the same thing, you know, you... You put up a lot of weight, but then you give yourself, you know, three to five minutes. Generally, most people are closer to five minutes to let your muscles rebuild real quick, and then you're able to do it again. But, yeah, that, huh. But, but see, and if you look at boxing, and I know very little about boxing, so anyone listening that legitimately knows about boxing, <laughs> I apologize up front. But if you look at boxing, uh, the reason why you do so many jabs is because if you go out with your heavy hits, you will burn out yeah. before your oh, opponent yeah. will knock out. Especially if you miss. Yeah. And so a missed punch exerts a lot of energy and a lot of force. Yeah, because you have to recoup. Your body has to make the adjustment to recoup from the energy. So, so think about yeah. this, right? I'm just throwing my fist and how much effort and energy went. Well, now I'm going to add a sword or, uh, you know, even a axe dagger or, or axe or whatever. Right. So, first off, they're not using lightweight material, you know. Yeah. Like. I'm thinking medieval, you know, because you got chain mail and things like that. But, it, so even if you take that out of the picture and you just go into just leather armor, still it's going to. So, so a, a lot of those battles were like blow for blow. Like one person would take their turn swinging and the next person would take their turn mm-hmm. swinging. And, you know, it's. It's not as hyped up and actionable as the movies make it. See, this is the other thing, and now I'm going to go to uh, modern. I love, love how unrealistic chase scenes are <laughs> in movies where, you know, yeah. like they're running up their flight of stairs. And there's, there's a, uh, for anyone that uh, watches Studio C, uh, oh, yeah. It's kind of a to where we live because you know they're they're local actors and local comedians, so uh, they have a big following, uh, you know, in in our region. But you know, most of their uh, YouTube videos have four million views, so I mean they've they've got a following, right? But if you've ever heard of Studio C, they do this great skit where they make fun of chase scenes. I'll have to look it and, up. And, you know, these two guys, they're, like, running up the stairs, and then they start kind of, like, jogging, and then pretty soon they're just, like, lumbering, walking. And they're, like, a flight of stairs away from each other, both sitting down, talking to each other, like, okay, I'm going to come get you. <laughs> and they're just so <laughs> tired that they can't, you know. But, they, I, 
I saw, and I think I shared this. Maybe I shared this with you. There was a another TV series that um, we kind of watch as a family. But at the end, they were uh, the final competition piece of it. Is they were being trained like firefighters. Oh, yeah, yeah, you were telling me about and, this. Uh, anyways, they made a mistake at the top, so they had to go clear back down in all this fire gear to uh, retrieve this uh, dummy to lug it back up the stairs. It was only three stories. Mm-hmm. But with that little bit of extra weight, you know, another 50 pounds of clothing on them, plus uh, being a little bit hotter, so you're, you're, you know, you're sweating more, you're exerting more. Um, after they had done the original... Uh, three flights weren't, which weren't uh, over exerting, but just going down and lugging it back to the top wiped them out. Yeah, two floors. Oh, I believe it. Two floors and done. So, uh, scientifically, once you are wiped out, once you have you know expended all of that anaerobic system, or I think it's the mitochondria that are in your blood vessels, once you've uh, you know expended mm-hmm. all of the oxygen from that then uh, it takes, you know, so like a sprinter, you look at a a sprinter that does, you know, a hundred meter dash, it takes them about 30 minutes or longer. And that's if they're trained to regain their, their strength to where they could go sprint again, because they have put so much force and power into that short burst of speed. And it's the same thing. Like if you look at power lifters, you know, if you do a heavy power lift, yeah. you're supposed to take the next two or three days off yeah. and, you know, not use those muscle groups again. And so, so this goes back to my question. Think about it. Think of all the movies that you watch and all of a sudden they're 200 yards apart and everyone goes charge and everyone starts running <laughs> towards each other. I know. You do this, you know, 100 yard dash into each other. And I'm just thinking, you know, and then I'm, for me, I'm like, that battle's got to be done in 30 minutes. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Because they're too exhausted after you're fighting. And, uh, well, okay. but, but there's, there's accounts, there are accounts of battles that go on for days, right? And uh, it, there it has are accounts to be. of sieges that go on for days. Cause you got to think about it. So, you know, if I am exerting myself for even an hour, okay? Yeah. I've got to stop and rest. I've got to rehydrate. Like you cannot physically just keep. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's the next thing. Think about that too, because um, as you were talking, I'm thinking about when I work outside on a summer day, I I can go all day long as long as I'm staying hydrated. Now I'm not uh, heavy, heavy, you know, hand to hand combat, but I'm actively going, Mm -hmm. moving, whatever else. Um, but I can't imagine being on a battlefield. You're exerted and just hey, time out, water break. Well, well, right. And then the amount of adrenaline. Okay, so adrenaline's going to give you a huge surge, but it's not going to last you all day. So oh. I bet there was tons of dehydration and passing out, and then oh, three days later you come back, half the bodies are gone because they've recovered and they woke up and walked away. Yeah. Yes. So much of warfare is not what we picture. Like a lot of deaths don't actually happen from people, Being you know, stabbed. Yeah. Or um, so I don't remember if it was World War One or World War Two, 
but the American military at least did a study, and they found that most of their soldiers that they put into battle didn't even fire their rifles. They just charged in and never even pulled the trigger. And um, and so they actually they, they moved in, and I... I, I apologize, I'd, I'd have to, I mean, we're doing this on the fly, so I'm not, like, referencing the actual stats, so if you want the stats, you're going to have to look them up. This is a side conversation, I have that <laughs> For that <right>. reason. <laughs> but, um, so, if you look at, uh, you know, the U.S. military, they started World War One, where it was a transition from, you know, like, muskets and bayonets to more of an automated uh, and then you get to World War II, and they were getting into, you know, like semi-automatic type, mm-hmm. you know, shooting. And then you get into the Vietnam War, and now they're using uh, machine guns. Well, if you look at the strike teams today, they do bursts. They they actually got away from machine guns. Yeah. And, and so uh, there was a ton of studies that were done on, like, how people actually, you know, they, they don't pull the trigger— and when they do pull the trigger, their aim is horrible, and you know, and so so. Well, well in the early day, because that's uh, chasing this squirrel. Um, uh, when police officers stopped using a six-shot revolver and going to uh, like a fifteen-round uh, semi-automatic pistol, like a Glock. Okay. Okay. Um, shooting accuracy significantly went down. <laughs> I believe it. Because they, they figured, I have more rounds, I can just throw something out there, versus six shots. I had to be smart about it, because I had six shots. Well, okay, but I... So s- they spent more time making sure they were accurate, because I didn't have... I, I suspect that there were two things going on. The other thing is, back historically, uh, people would hunt for a main source of food, and it was very common... And, I mean, you'd have your 14-year-old son, and you'd tell him, hey, go out and, you know, go go get his dinner. And, you know, I'm talking like 1800s kind of time. And so there were a lot of people that just grew up with guns that were a tool to them. Like, that was yeah. how they provided, you know, food for their family. Right. And so, and they did. They they had very few, you know, even if they had more shots, shots were expensive. Right. And, you know, you didn't want to just go waste them. And so I think that there was a combination of not only the, you know, attitude of, okay, every shot counts, but also just people using it in, you know, day-to-day applications as opposed to only yeah. using it, you know, as a police officer. Right. So, so I don't know. Okay, I want to ask my PTSD question. Do you think that PTSD is worse when you're face-to-face with someone? So, you know, you're drafted into the military, you end up in hand-to-hand combat, and I'm talking back when everything was hand-to-hand combat. Or do you think that it's worse? Because, I mean, military today, it's it's like video games, you know? You're sitting way back controlling a drone, and, uh, you know, I... it. Well, yeah, PS, yeah, PSTD comes PTSD. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Post traumatic PTSD. Yeah, um, it would have to all be something that's physically related. It has to have a physical response. Yeah, yeah, I could see. So, that. if I'm running a drone, I don't think no matter. 
I think you still. I think you're going to have some effects from that. Yeah, but not the same as um, not the same as because if you've been, someone's eyes. So here's what most people roll over. Uh, don't understand is that um, uh, if you've ever been in any situation where bullets are flying around you, they pop. Okay. So not that I'm recommending that you go out and lay on the ground and let someone shoot over you. Okay, don't. No, no, no. This is. Um, but if you have been in that situation, they pop. There's a pop and a. And a so it's, uh, it's a lot. I mean, I can just psychologically how that's playing with you to know that because you can't see anything, right? Uh-huh. And then you hear the pop and then it's. You know, about the same time, there's another pop, and 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 you actually hear the sonic pop by you before you hear the gun blast, depending on the distance. I did not know that. Gratefully, I've never been in a situation where people are shooting around me. So, and and then to have, you know, I think of people who've been around mortars or other type of um, improvised, you know, explosive devices that. Um, just that concussion mm-hmm. of it, you know, because if, if you've ever been up in camping in the mountains on, especially this time of year where you get those afternoon rainstorms and monsoons here in the West, that when that lightning and thunder sets in and that lightning, that thunder hits really close together and that charge of electricity is in the air, it, man, it, it, it leaves, uh, an indelible, 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 I'm never going to get that word out. <laughs> Hmm. Audible? No. Um, I don't even know what word you were going, but it, it leaves an ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with the, <laughs> the yeah. Uh, we're going to have you cut that out later. <laughs> <laughs> no, staying in. Side uh, conversation. We just run. <laughs> but the impression that it leaves on you, you, you never forget because the electricity charges in the air, all your hair is standing up. The boom hits so loud, it, it literally almost knocks you to the ground. And if the lightning hits close by you, it's insane. So It's insane. My oldest son decided that he was going to go backpack King's Peak this week. Oh, yeah. And uh, so for reference, King's Peak is the tallest peak in the state of Utah. It's at uh, about 13,000 feet above sea level. So it's... It's a tall mountain relative to some other peaks out there. It's not much, but it's tall enough that it's it's up there. If you've never had the chance, I'm, I'm going to tangent for a second. Mm-hmm. If you've never had the chance to actually be, uh, you know, in an area above, and I would say about 10,000 feet, yeah. Yeah. that's where altitude sickness really starts to affect a lot of people. Uh, I had a friend who just went backpacking the Tetons up in Wyoming. They came home early because one of the guys was getting altitude sickness, and he's like, "Yeah, I couldn't get my heart rate to settle down, and you know." And wow. so, um, I've only been really affected by altitude one time in my life, and it was about eleven thousand feet. And I was shocked at—I I wasn't getting sick, but I was so winded. Like oh yeah, yeah. It it I I felt pathetic. We were just walking because we were doing a hike. It was uh, yeah. it was a peak that we were doing, and I'm just walking, and I'm like, I need to rest again. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you know. So anyway, uh, they go and they decide that they're going to do thirteen thousand feet in thunderstorms. <laughs> 
And I'm like, what are you doing? So we get this text from him. Head and no, all the text says is, I'm alive. <laughs> like, that's probably worse than not getting a text. Like, I think I would have just preferred to... You know, ignorance is bliss and assume you don't have any reception, but like, I'm alive. Is there a reason to think you shouldn't be alive? Are other people in your group not alive? Like, what? I'm amazed that out in that area, there's a cell phone signal. I think with how high up it is that you probably, I don't know that there's enough that you can make a call, but to send a text. Bouncing off the airplanes that are flying around you. Yeah, something like that, but... Uh, but yeah, I I know that they got downpoured on, and and so oh yeah, they had to have oh yeah because we've just had nothing but uh, affect that. every every report that I saw um, this week was uh, Monday. Oh, we just received all the water we normally receive over the whole course of the summer. Tuesday. We just got it again. Wednesday, we just got it again. Thursday, uh, major problems with flooding in other places because the rain was coming down so hard it just doesn't soak in. It yeah. just runs off, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's so. funny. And the lightning and the thunder has been That's what amazing. made me nervous with him was the lightning because, you know, yeah. King's Peak is just, it's it's a lightning well, rod. Yeah. It's a big old dome out there. Yeah. And when you're high, I'm telling you, when you're high at that 9,000, 10,000 feet in a storm and there's uh, lightning about to happen, I'm telling you, the whole air becomes supercharged with electricity. It is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I've had it happen twice. Um, the first time I didn't even know what was going on. I just, mom, my hair started standing up and it was like, oh crap, Bigfoot's coming. Something's going bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sixth sense, something's going on. And then the lightning and the thunder hit almost simultaneously, man, just knocked me to the ground. And I was just like, okay. That's not cool. And at that height, you don't even, it's not like, okay, where do I even go? Because there's a thousand trees and all of them are tall. You know what I mean? You don't even know what to do at that point in time, you know? Yeah. Uh, the next time it happened, I, I felt it and I knew exactly what was going on. Oh, I'll tell you what. If you are in horrific storms and protected, it's the coolest thing ever. But when you're in them and not protected, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. We we had one time where we were in a grotto spending the night, and it was awesome because we were protected by the mountain, and the rain just dumped. And this is on the Zion Narrow. Yeah. Um, it's a very popular backpack. And uh, we talked to another guy that was at a neighboring campsite. We talked to him about it. We talked to him the next morning, and he said, he's like, all of my stuff is soaked. He said, oh, I had yeah. a miserable night. And we sat there and we watched the rain just come down in sheets and the lightning. Uh, and this is a high flash flood zone. Yeah. And so we were at uh, a high level above the, uh, you know, above the flash flood, flash flood risk zone, uh, protected by this grotto. Coolest thing I've ever mm -hmm. done. I felt bad for that guy. <laughs> so... But, okay, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, that was a pretty good rant of tangents. Anything? No, just uh, stay safe. So, hey, wait a minute. When you went, so when you went to the Renaissance Fair, didn't you go to that this year? Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, here's left field. Oh, no, you want to go back to your. Yeah, uh, did, did they simulate any fights and for how long and. 
I mean, I know it's fake clashing because no one really wants to have their arm chopped off, but but still, I can't imagine when hardcore fighting for, well, I don't know. If it was sword play, I could see it going on for a little bit because you could control it. But my, my, I'm always just thinking, uh, think about it when there's 50 people and you're surrounded like you see some battle scenes and, you know, uh, not only are you fighting a guy, but you're trying to watch everything going on around you because if your comrade goes down, that guy's freed up to stab whoever he wants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, yes, I went to the Renaissance Fair. Um, we They did have the uh, medieval combat. Uh, when we were there, uh, they had just finished, and so we actually missed it. I got to see the fire dancers instead, which were really cool. So I can't tell you what their uh, reenactments were, but this is what I find fascinating. If you look at medieval times, uh, it was basically they would come up with the biggest, heaviest, bluntest, you know, weapon yeah. that they could, right. and then they would go heavy on armor. And then if you look at like the 1700s, we'll say, uh, maybe into the 1600s, they get away from armor and they make their swords uh, significantly lighter. And so there clearly is an advantage of... So they're faster. Yeah, being lighter and faster and more agile. Uh, you know, like that That was the advantageous way to go. And so, so if you think about just, you know, what can the human body handle? Um, do you ever do kettlebell swings in your workouts? Mm-hmm. You should... Just try a few kettlebell swings just to get an idea. You know, you're saying, oh, yeah, you could probably do this for a while. I'm like, whew, man, like you you want a good workout in a short period of time, do some kettlebell swings, and yeah. you'll learn how, how hard it is to, uh, you know, throw. So what's interesting about kettlebell swings is I could take like a 20-pound kettlebell, and if I swing it, it's like the equivalent of me doing a uh, hundred and fifty pound deadlift, you know. And really? I, I, I don't know the force you fight and all the it's other the body force. parts. Yeah, because you're using so many more muscles. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Well, you actually use very similar muscles, but if you look at just force, force is uh, mass times velocity. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And so when you're moving that and swinging that, it's got more force that your body has to control versus if I'm just doing a deadlift, I'm just lifting. I'm only fighting gravity. I'm not actually fighting any well, that, other force. That's Well, that goes right back to um, if you're using any type of, uh, I call them a machine, uh, but... Oh, um, machine uh, weight system as opposed to a free weight system? Yeah, yeah. free weights... Uh, always seem harder because you have to have so much more control versus mm-hmm. the other one is structured. It's on the pulleys, it's or on bars, so the movement stays consistent. You don't have to control the side to side or anything like that. You can just focus on, you know, that single exercise or muscle. But yeah, but, so if you yeah. think about like swinging a sword or an axe or something like that, yeah, well. I, You've got one good swing, and then it's going to take you time to ramp up for the next swing. See, and what got me thinking about this was last night um, I was doing some dirt work, and anyways, this tip of a rock was sticking up, and I thought, this this has got to go. This is going to drive me nuts. So I started digging around the rock and digging around the rock and digging around the rock, and 
after about 15 minutes of digging around this rock, I realized this is not rock. It's the tip of a boulder. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. I've so, had a few moments like that. Um, after I had dug around enough of it to realize that I can't just get a pry bar underneath this and move it out. Like, you know, the other, you know, the, the biggest one I had got out previous to that was about the size of a large kettlebell. Okay. So, you know, they're fairly big. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, bigger than a basketball. Right. Um, as rock, that's heavy. Yeah. So I got one out previous to that, so I thought that's what I was in for again. No, 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 no. I, so I had dug around at least that much of it and even a, had a bar where I had a little bit of a bite. Didn't even It didn't even f- hardly move, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, hit it with a tractor. Um, the whole ground around it just shakes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's big. So that's when I bring out, I'm like, it's got to go. I can't deal with this. So I got to at least get the top off of it to, so it's flat and then uh, it can stay buried for the rest of its life. And after swinging a 32-pound sledgehammer. That doesn't touch it? Yeah. Well, I, after about 10 hits, it started fracturing and breaking okay. up and wasn't too bad. But after about swinging the 32-pound sledgehammer, um, I was just like, Wow. Because so many more muscles getting above your head, going down, mm-hmm. absorbing the shock. Um, you know, in five minutes, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Right? Like chopping and it, wood. And that's, yeah. <sighs> yeah. And, and your axe head is only, you know, I mean, most axe heads are probably between five and ten pounds. Yeah. But chopping wood. So, um, you <sighs> know, I'm thinking, all right, you're swinging in, I don't know how much a sword weighs, eight to ten pounds maybe, big broadsword. Yeah. You know, you're swinging that around. Uh, clanging, hitting, you know what I mean? Miss, all of your energy's wasted. I'm just thinking, yeah, you, you don't go very long, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I I will tell you that I've modified my workouts to include swings like that on purpose because you think to yourself, you're like, really? I mean, how often do you go around swinging your broadsword? I don't actually. Don't even own a broadsword. I never have to. But, uh, you know, when you're out digging a hole, oh, yeah. you're swinging, you know. Yeah. When, when when I go canyoneering and I just have to toss my pack, I'm swinging. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, you know, a lot of those swinging motions, and, you know, I've incorporated, incorporated that into my workout schedule uh, it makes a huge difference. Just if you want to go play hard or work hard, you know, if you're working on the farm or something like that, man, those swinging motions come yeah. into play often, more often yeah. than you will realize. Well, and and too often in my workouts, I don't simulate that motion, right? Oh, you should. But I need to. The elder I get, the, uh, the more I need to. I should go. I uh, have... A huge old tractor tire. I ought to just leave out there because I've done it a few times. Pound it with the sledgehammer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, pound it and then all of a sudden lift it and flip it over. Yeah, yeah, some of that CrossFit style stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great as long as you don't do an inflammation bath. (laughs) That's that's the issue I have with CrossFit. If I did that, then uh, it wouldn't be any type of a bath. If it was a bath, it'd be like a bath full of Oreo cookies that I could eat. Because I had earned it. <laughs> All right. I think we're done. <laughs> Anything else you want to throw in there? You know, oh. we, we ended on Oreo cookies. So well, I guess that's. You know, I have an addiction to Oreos. I thought it was hot dogs. Uh, I do like hot dogs too. Yeah. I just had a great uh, bratwurst that was. Uh, bratwurst and hot dog are not even I mean, in the same category. Yeah, they're. 
Yeah, you're right. They're different, but it's for me, it's in the hot dog category. But no, I had no, no, one, no. a jalapeno one the other day. Fantastic. Just fantastic. <laughs> okay. So Sounds good. Yeah. Well, if you made it to the end of this episode, side conversation. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.